What's up, guys? Welcome to the RMR Podcast, episode 10. I'm Mitch Pfeiffer. 10 with Jay Ping. What's good, everybody? 10. I almost got to double check if we are on 10 or 11 right now. Podcast episodes are hard to keep up with for myself, man, but it is yeah, 10. We're on 10. We're on 10 together, and then I think we're on three with me and Isaiah. Or four, four is next. Yeah, the podcast, they start, they start to add up, man. When we're doing the lunch table, we got to like... 70 or something like that i don't know 80 i'm not sure it's yeah i lost track after they're fun these these doing these shows and talking about shit and getting super high super fun we i get a lot of good feedback from people you know they find they really like the 710 labs episode big shout out to brad and you Um, were on that episode so that was our best (laughs) i know i don't doubt it it's it's me that ruins it i just get smoked i just get smoked out and my energy just sucks so no don't (laughs) my energy is artificial on the podcast because if people knew me in real life i have no energy you do say no i'm just kidding um we, yeah, we just so, are terrible. so with with that said getting high man what, what are you what are you smoking on right now what what's, what's oh man today's t- today is all dedicated to originals man i got Ooh. uh the SFVOG. we got the king louis the london pound cake is one of the new ones right here um they they recently started doing their smalls uh, $25 in LA. It's arguably wow. the best $25 in all of LA. So Wow. 25 out the door. That's no industry discount. Nah, yeah, it might be 25 plus tax. That's okay. standard though. That's standard though. But regardless, a $25 eighth is some kills, popcorn, small buds, whatever in yeah. LA. In LA. That is. And pretty- these guys, these guys just won multiple cups. I think they did farmer's cups, San Diego, cannabis cups, all this kinds of, you know, they, they really just ran ran all over the competition all over here this last year i don't know what that means in terms of high time but at least here in cali that usually typically stands for something yeah and i i love i love i told you that the other day when we we're facetime and i really love their packaging man even though it's like all black you can't see the product which is no this, this is that blue box okay blue yeah right. i just love it. The, the font the word font the mylar is clean yeah it's clean See, and in Washington, they don't like that. In Washington, everyone complains. You got to see the bud. You got to. No, not if it's good enough. That's what I'm saying. If you have the right branding, you don't need that. I know there's a little bit of cultural difference between Washington and California. Um, but if you know it's some kill, you don't need to look at the bud. 100%. Uh, and especially in like, you know, your average dispensary in Washington compared to your average dispensary in L.A., you, they're a lot, you know, or California, they're, well, L.A., it's a lot busier. So you don't get to sit there and fill out 35 different packs and figure out which which is the best one to take home. You just tell yeah, not, a, not anymore, for sure, for sure. I mean, some, some of the other shops and sometimes it's still definitely, you know, slow enough that you can. But, you know, for the most part, the COVID stuff really changed the whole touchy, smelly, feely stuff. And then um a lot of people just really trying to get in and out i feel like yeah and i'm man i'm smoking i'm smoking on some dabs from from the homie knots you know um i am not you know me i've never been a dabber i i've you know i've dabbled i've dabbled in the dabs over the years but i've never been a consistent dabber in my life um uh jared hooked me up with a rig my first rig i'm a grown grown man now i got a rig um Congratulations. You finally, you know, your, your rig is dropped. Like 10, 10 years after I first started dabbing, I finally got a rig. Um, 
And so I've been up in that. I mean, it's nice. I mean, obviously, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm a parent. I got the kid. I don't like reeking like, you know, I mean, I love blunts, but it's just not, I don't like reeking like blunts. It's all over my fingers. My son's got an Afro. So then it, be, it gets in his hair. It's just, you know, I'm not smoking near him, but just me having blunt residue all over me. It just leaks off on him. He hates getting his hair washed and stuff. And I'm not sending him to daycare smelling like an ashtray. So, so the dab rig is super efficient to just no stink. And you're and off the oil. Out does his job quickly. You know, I can have the wife watch him for a second, go sneak off, do my thing. And, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm good. Um, mm -hmm. and you still get the good terpene, you know, if you got good dabs, you're getting good terpenes and stuff. So, you know, I know I'm late to the game. I'm preaching stuff where people are like, yeah, we've been dabbing for that for the last decade. Um, but I, I'm, I'm on the wagon finally. Um, but you know, think things are moving. So that's why I was smoking on some dabs. Um, and in music this week, we have been updating our playlist. I know we talked about this a little bit last episode, but we have our playlist out. I'm going to spit them out. You correct me if I miss one, but we got Washington Fire, California Fire, Low Key Fire, CBD and Chill. Or is, that's not out yet? That's not public yet? Not yet. So I already fucked it up. Um, and I mean, it, I mean, it's got stuff in it, but it... We're, we're not, you know, I'm, trying to, I'm right. trying to really build it up to 40, 50 songs. All right, Washington Fire, California Fire, Low Key Fire, and High Key Bars. Um, we got a little theme going there for you. New Music Monday. And New Music Monday. Um, so those are getting updated pretty frequently. The High Key Bars, we just slid that new J. Cole record on there that dropped um, off the upcoming off season, which comes out, I think, in two days. I think on, I'm looking, I think Thursday or Friday. Um, he dropped the documentary, super dope, and he just announced that he signed to a pro basketball team in Rwanda, I believe. Yeah, some something like that. He's he's killing it. He's 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 like the first basketball player to do like, like a, man, or the first the first rapper artist to do a bunch of shit. At this uh, point rapper like, at age thirty five getting into professional basketball that did not play college ball. Yeah, it is. Absolutely wild. That is major, you know, because Master P played in the league. I don't, you know, I don't know if he played any regular season games. I know he played preseason for the Raptors and for the Hornets um, back in the day, but I don't remember. I think Master P played in college, so it's a little bit, little bit, little bit different. And I think he was younger than thirty-five. That that's impressive, you know. Most pros are finding their way towards the exit at thirty-five. Cole's yeah. Jumping from the top of the rap charts into the hoop league in Africa, nonetheless, um, which is home to plenty of NBA prospects and plenty of people in the NBA come from Africa. So there, there's still some competition out there. Um, that'll be dope to check out. Um, today, we have a very special guest. Um, we're going to be talking about consumer experience and designing your consumer experience. Our, our guest, uh, Laura Han, with Laura Lou consumer experience design, I believe. I'm gonna bring her in and then she's gonna correct me if I said that wrong. How are you doing today, Laura? Hello. Hey. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of it's experience design, but pretty close. I added one word in there. See, <laughs> I was trying to get the keyword for SEO purposes. Uh, per, you know, uh, that's where it was coming from. Um, yeah, so we wanted to, to, to bring Laura on here and talk. You know, Joey and I have, have obviously been you know, cannabis industry veterans since cannabis got legalized in Washington five, six years, I don't know, whenever it got legalized <laughs> at this point, six years ago, um, you know, Joey's been in California the last couple of years, we've been up and down the, the, the West Coast, we've been to hundreds of dispensaries, uh, you know, worked with these guys, done consulting, done a lot of things, seen the industry pro progress and mature. Um, and 
Laura has a lot of experience in corporate America and just retail outside of cannabis and has brought this into cannabis a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And we've had a couple super interesting conversations. So Laura, could you give us a little bit of background on yourself pre-cannabis and then we'll break into the cannabis in a moment? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, so I'm in Iowa. And so I, I look at you guys and I'm super jealous that you have so much access to great product. And I, you know, we don't. So um, I kind of wear that badge pretty proud and loud because I get to represent a vast majority of folks out there that, you know, that don't have the access that they need. So mm -hmm. uh, it's been a really good lens and perspective to have. Uh, yeah, so I was in corporate America for 17 years. I worked for a large healthcare membership organization that, you know, spanned the entire gamut of healthcare services. So highly compliant, um, regulated industry, and it was all membership model based. And so um, it was a unique perspective because we had to help our members who were small, passionate, independent medical providers to patients and care caregivers you know, yep. survive and thrive in, in less than likely um, circumstances. Uh, a big part of that corporate world was I was part of the web design division. And so I was uh, for 13 years, a creative director, did all things with user experience, content strategy and design. Um, so I'm a big techie. I love all things web and digital. And so that's really why I kind of got into user experience and customer experience design is, is from that digital background. So we did a lot of banking websites and healthcare websites, e-commerce, things like that. Absolutely. And that's where you and I really connected on when we first spoke is how valuable that whole ecosystem really is and how cannabis, the cannabis industry is truly lacking, not just it in general, but just a lot of it across the board. There's so much of it and just so many, whether it's the econ side of it, the web, the website and the, the consumer experience side of it, there's so many different things that they're not even doing or thinking about at this point. Yeah, um, it's opportunity, right? I mean, yep. it's, it takes little tweaks and it's not, you know, rocket science. And I think just with someone, you know, knowing some of the principles and, and thinking of it and making part of your culture, it's something that's definitely attainable. Absolutely. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and so and, that, and that's the thing: the user experience, customer experience. You know, if you're if you're a website, if you're a retail business, like that is the the bread and butter of of what you do. You know, your your customers or your your web visitors, like that. That's the, the meat and potatoes of what whatever you do is to increase that right there. And um, a lot of you know our conversation, and and I've I've looked through some of your documents. A lot of that is built on you know building this relationship. And, and trust and validity and and just and and just a two-way relationship with these whether it's web visitors or, or or consumers to build you know people that are loyal to your brand obviously i, I know speaking to you you're not as much like the uh the profit and loss side of it you know but the business side you know if you have more customers better retained customers more loyal customers that will increase your bottom line but i know from your standpoint it's more about authentically connecting with people and building up this two-way relationship yeah, for sure. But to your point of, you know, the business sense, you know, obviously it, it does make sense and additional revenue and you've got brand loyalty and you don't have to worry about um, bringing on so many new customers. It, you know, keeping your older ones is a lot less uh, costly to the business. But if you think about how much you're losing by providing bad service. So, mm -hmm. you know, by the time that you've got a culture of 
maybe like your team, if you're having to hire all the time because you don't have a great culture, there's a lot of cost that goes into training right. and retaining employees. And then of course, like with the e-com side, um, if you have a poor experience and people are banging that shopping cart or they're not getting the help that they need and they're sucking up your customer experience uh, or service resources, then, I mean, that's also costing you a lot of money. So um, there's kind of two different ways to look at it. Yeah, we, we had our guest a couple weeks ago, uh, Barry Heard, uh, a data wizard. I don't know, we had a hard time pinpointing a singular title for him. But he, he said something that's so profound, it's still on my mind, uh, about how a lot of customer, well, he was speaking about dispensary specifically on how a lot of them choose to pull away, like rush everything for certain tasks, put all their staff on one thing and maybe ignore certain customers because they're, 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 they're taking their bud tenders and diverse and making them wear too many hats to where they can't just deal with the customers. Um, and he said, what did, what did he say? He said, oh, he said one employee touches thousands, potentially thousands of customers. And so just the value of training up your employees, having your employees all in a, in congruence with the, the the company or brand mission and, and values mm -hmm. is just so key. And I think that's to your point of like the cost of bad hires or the cost of bad culture or the cost of neglecting creating culture and that experience is incredibly high. Well, and think about the culture of autonomy as well. And so, um, you know, part of what I coach around is, is being unapologetically user focused and then coming up with your experience vision. So mm -hmm. the key question I always ask is, what's the change in the world that you wanna make for the people that you serve in three to five years? Because then it's like a, you know, a stake in the sand that your entire team is marching towards and they know what they're doing every day. And yeah. so then when they feel like they know what the mission of, and the vision of the company is and the experience that they're trying to provide, then they have the autonomy to make the right decision for the company as well as the customer. And so, I mean, what greater thing than to have trust from your employees that you're going to make the right choices? Right. So could, could you walk us through a little bit? I mean, I know there's a lot to it and a lot of nuances based on injury, industry, but can you walk us a little bit through kind of your process of, of looking at a business or a website, um, how you kind of audit that of where it's at and how you pick and choose what, what goals and where these stakes or these North Stars are at? Yeah, I the first thing is I experience vision because and that's usually an internal thing. It's different from your corporate mission and vision. Um, that experience vision is something that will evolve over time because your products and services will change and as they should as your customers evolve and change. So that experience vision is is, is a guiding light that I always start with because once you have that, then you have an idea of who you can best serve, which is your personas. So coming up with that avatar, really knowing who they are. And um, and honestly, it's not just like it's Bob who is age 25 to 35 and you know likes music. It's going into what types of actions are that is that person taking to try to accomplish their goal and figuring out where it sucks, honestly. And you get to be the one that helps fill those gaps and make it better and plus it. So that's a lot of times in that journey, I'm looking at the personas and then what is the current experience for people out there trying to, to possibly use your services. Um, and then we kind of, we build a customer journey map. And so, you know, there's many ways of doing that. And those five key things are awareness, consideration, 
purchase retention and loyalty. And um, that could be that customer journey map for the online web presence, or it could be the entire, uh, all the touch points from the e-com to you know, them leaving your store. And, I've, and the nice thing about customer experience design is you can put some qualitative and quantitative measures around it. You know, yeah. so you could do, you know, use your um, voice of customer tools like a chat. You know, you could do surveying. But my favorite yeah. thing is watching people. So <laughs> you've heard of like method acting. So um, it's kind of sitting back and watching how people are interacting in person. Like, mm, okay. what, you know, what are their nonverbals? Um, are they getting super nervous about the process? Are they kind of hovering around, not sure what to do? It's it's kind of it's watching people and seeing what they're about. Uh, about how much time or so do you put in store doing that, or or do you put on site doing that? Um, honestly, it's uh, doing it a couple times during the day, and so even an hour at a time. And it's just you can either it's called you know with customer discovery. You could go up to those folks and ask them some different open-ended questions. People are usually pretty good about giving their feedback as to what um, they're like or, you know, could use some help with. Um, but really, so easy to do. So easy to do. Job. Yeah. Um, another thing internally with your culture is, um, you know, I've heard, you know, put a sheet of paper up on the, the back wall. It just says, how could my day been better? And, and so they can start writing things down that, um, you know, the owner can take a look at to see if there's repeatable things that, you know, little tweaks that could be made that just makes the lives of those bud tenders easier. And then, of course, that's going to um, reflect to the experience of the customers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so some a question that I have, because this is so this is so common. I know Joey's going to agree with me. You know, we, we constantly go to dispensaries and ask them, like, who is your target customer? Who's your ideal customer? Basically, the, 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 the dumbed down version of personas and I mean, 99% of these guys are like, can't even answer it. You know, they're like everyone. And or, like, or it's one word. Everyone. Yeah. And it's, you I just, you can't build a brand. You can't build messaging and you can't build marketing that is everything for everyone. It's an impossible task. It's incredibly expensive. And there's just no, I mean, there's, you know, you've, the phrase, you can't please everyone is, is true. So what what is i guess i think one of the hurdles of that is people are so turned off of oh if i feel like i have an ideal customer that turns away all these other people so what is kind of your thought process of of building personas and kind of easing people's nerves because you know because every brand has its ideal customer but plenty of people still buy it whether they're inside that ideal customer or not but kind of how do you approach communicating that to people that might be resistant to that yeah. idea? And I think that is sometimes a generational thing too, is, you know, back when we were not, when we didn't have data and we didn't know how to personalize things, you only could, uh, you know, market to everyone. And so that definitely is a culture shift. Um, you know, another thing is going back to the experience vision and your personal brand, you know, gone are the days where it's just a, a straight up business and there's no heart or personality to it. It's, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe. And so I think by establishing your experience vision and building up your own personal and company, you know, corporate brand, you are naturally telling the world kind of who you are best serving and those people are going to come to you. And obviously you have to support that with all the messaging and thought leadership, education and so on to keep them. 
but that also exposes you to broadening that out to you know allow additional people coming in. Um, and to my point earlier of that experience vision and how you evolve over time, you know, you get smarter as a business owner and you kind of figure out, you know, there's certain types of products or categories that work better for you. And so that can shift. And so that allows you, you know, you're not always just stuck with one type of target customer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, that just, I don't know why it's just consistently a hurdle. I'm sure it's probably not specific just to cannabis. That just happens to be the realm that we work in day in and day out. Yeah. Um, but it's, it just, it just ranged true. And so for you, um, how often do you work with businesses where they kind of have their personas already carved out or how much of you is kind of educating the importance of that as one of the first steps? I, it's constant. So, um, yeah, oftentimes brands will go right to tactics. And so they immediately want to start going to social media and kind of doing the spray and pray and creating things where um, I'm definitely kind of that higher level strategy of thinking about, you know, setting that solid foundation and then building upon that um, in kind of looking backwards. So um, I'm doing a lot of education around what it is to have a personal brand, um, you know, being a thought leader in the space, being, you know, education is key. I consistently hear that we are over-informed and undereducated. And when it comes to like a channel like your website, you know, it's such a great way to be able to provide and, and use that as an extension of your personal mm -hmm. brand to help, you know, build people in. And, and that's something that's valuable to anyone. I, Cause we, you know, we have a lot of our audience, you know, a lot of our audience is cannabis, but a lot of it is music. And so even for music people out there that are, that are listening to this, um, while you might think all oh, retail website experience dispensary that doesn't have anything to do with me it still has everything to do with you of understanding your brand and for those that are spraying and praying like you're saying just putting songs or music videos out and not really getting the traction that you want you know there's nothing wrong with taking that step back and kind of there's a lot of reasons why that's not happening <laughs> yeah realizing what your brand is what your messaging is and then then you can look at the songs you put out and the music videos you put out and understand, is this in congruence with everything else? Or am I truly just spraying and praying? Yeah. Well, and people have a pretty big uh, BS detector. And, um, you know, your personal brand is the essence of what somebody says about you when you're not in the room. Mm. And so, you know, that can apply to, you know, as an individual in the music biz or, you know, to re retail outside of cannabis, um, you know, you get to curate what you want that to be, but it has to be real. I mean, people right. will see through it if you are coming up with um, something that you're just not. Right. And, and an important thing, like you said, what people say about you when you're not there. Another common thing in cannabis and Joe, you'll feel me is people don't, a lot of people haven't had to, because the, 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 the industry is so mature. Some people were blessed with licenses early on and just started selling products simply because supply and demand was in their favor. No other reasoning than that. And they have something in their head where they don't need to worry about branding or messaging or, yep. or any of these things. And they'll be sorely mistaken when competition heats up as the industry matures. But you are sending out a branding, you send out marketing messages and you have a brand regardless if it's intentional or conscious or not. Because like just what you said, the definition is really what people are speaking about you when you're not there whether you're intentionally spending money on it or have a person handling it or not, people are still thinking things, perceiving things and saying things. 
And so yeah. a big part of what we always talk about is taking, you know, doing your best to take control of that narrative and be intentional with it. Well, and, and to that point, a stat that I just recently read was that 80% of leadership believe that they have a phenomenal customer experience, whereas in turn is only like 8% of when you actually ask the customers what they feel about the experience. The 85 to eight? Yeah. So yeah. it's a, um, that kind of goes to ego. Uh, and so they, you know, they think they're doing a great job. And you, so obviously there's a disconnect between what they feel is happening and what's really going on. And the key is, you know, the staff, I mean, they're the ones that are, you know, they're going to bridge that gap and make that a much better experience for those folks. Um, and unfortunately, I've heard a lot of stories about how they do bring up their concerns to leadership, but again, they don't care. I mean, there's there's people in the line and they're around the corner, so everything is great. Right, and yeah. and again, those people around the line are not because you have that eighty five percent customer satisfaction. There is another reason there, and so that is one of those things where your bottom line or even your the line of customers is not telling the full story, right? Yeah. Um, and so. What do you see? I mean, you're, you're coming from a state where cannabis is super, I mean, it's, it's almost non-existent, but compared to what we have of over here, it's almost non-existent. Um, and I feel like your experience makes you, put you in a perfect place of like the, the consumer that everybody wants to reach, right? The person that isn't as aware of cannabis. I mean, yours is strictly geographically to an extent, um, you know, of this education level, what, what are some ways uh, that people can reach that audience? I know that's a really broad question, but what are some ways that people can help bridge that gap to whether it's maybe not, obviously not marketing to people out of state, but people in their city that are, you know, we call them kind of curious, right? They're not as educated. They're not as informed. What are some ways that people can, can reach those people? And, and, and what are some of the, the avenues that, that can effectively communicate to that crowd? Well, there's a couple things. Um, Cannabis tourism and travel is a huge opportunity. Um, so I always like to equate design thinking, which is, you know, you're pairing something that people are familiar with and then you plus it with something new. So people always say like, it's the Microsoft of this because it's something you're familiar with and then you pair it with something new. And so when it comes to travel and tourism, you know, everybody loves that aspect of it. And so if they can travel to a city and then do some type of, of an experience, being kind of curious, it's it's a low barrier of entry. It's mm -hmm. it's gonna make them feel comfortable, usually because the, the travel and tourism industry is so dependent on immaculate customer experience, they're gonna go overboard to provide, you know, um, maybe a toolkit in advance, have somebody that's concierge to ask questions or answers questions and really guides them as to what they should do so they feel good. And so, of course, then they travel back to the state and we'll tell everybody about it. Um, so I think that's a huge opportunity for everybody across the United States, of course, internationally. Um, you know, the second thing is people are doing their own research. It, you know, it's so many people are online trying to figure out and ask questions and they don't know what they don't know, but they're gonna come across some information and how great would it be if they come across good and great information? Absolutely. And there's so much misinformation out there and it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, even tools like Clubhouse have been really great for me because 
um, I want to be an informed consumer. I don't want to be embarrassed. Like if I go to a dispensary, the last thing I want to do is made, be made feel like I'm stupid and I don't know what to ask. Um, mm. so I'm going to do everything I can to try to be an informed consumer before I walk into that space. Mm. So I'm going to look online. And if I find a website that provides that information to me, I'm already you know, a couple steps ahead of liking that and becoming loyal and trusting that, that brand. Absolutely. Yeah. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of like what we, I mean, Joey and I specifically do, you know, do for a living is preach people to get, take that, those answer those questions in content form on the internet. And exactly. I mean, you said it right. Like if, if I search something and I, and you find a resource and they, Oh, this person also happens to be a supplier of the, the same resource that I'm seeking. I'm building this trust level online. And then if I go in and the, that experience continues in the physical form, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to break that bond, right. For, for mm -hmm. another brand or another store. Yeah. Uh, so, so how much is looking at your, your, the customer experience, you know, for, for companies that are putting information on the internet, how much is it looking at the digital side and how much is it looking at the physical and then making sure they're in congruence? Is it a 50 50 or, or, or how do you kind of look at that? I mean, again, I know that's a broad question that probably has a lot of nuances and changes from, from occasion to occasion. Well, I mean, congruency, like you want to make sure all your touch points are consistent for your brand. Um, so that's just always a given something that I preach. Um, gosh, it, that is, it, it is tough. Um, I think pre COVID the digital wasn't as big of a, um, People weren't paying as much attention to it. And so it was just an afterthought. Like everybody just knows you have to have a website. And so now with COVID, it's the most important tool I think you can have. Hmm. Um, if you're trying to you know, get to folks that are staying at home and have to have it delivered to them, that web nope. app is so key. Um, you know, I think it's going to be great. People are going to be seeking and really craving the retail brick and mortar experience at some point. But for right now, I mean, if it was numbers, I would do, you know, 60%, 40%. Like, just please make sure your online presence is just top notch. It's, it's pretty undeniable that a large part of dispensaries, consumer bases are an older population, which are probably not engaging with cannabis content on Facebook where they have their friends and family, right? So it's, it's just like, again, understanding the entire customer process and the journey through you know, and or how they just, you know, they consume social media or use it in the first place if they're even on it. Otherwise, they're still going to just be on Google. Well, true. And <laughs> I do websites for, you know, aging in place, you know, for many years. And so it's usually the caregivers that are doing all the research on behalf of their parents and mm -hmm. providing that information. So um, they, they obviously don't want to provide any wrong information to their parents. And so they're doing all of their due diligence. Um, and so the website is key. Plus, there's also the the sphere of influence. And so, you know, the, you're going to be asking your friends or if you do see something on Facebook, because they are on Facebook, if they see some type of post from Mary that was just like, oh, I didn't know she was in that or doing that, like, then often yeah. you're going to connect and see like, hey, can you talk to me more about that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That kind of that kind of effect definitely happens. Like. Yeah, the conversations more like um, 
you know, groups like uh, uh, there was a, a female entrepreneur I was helping. She has her own product and her family was initially kind of embarrassed that she was in it because of the stigma. But um, she started making a tea, which again goes back to it's something that we're already used to consuming. And so she has now these little subgroups of their mother-in-law who now invites all of her friends because they trust each other. And so that's how she's building her network is having these small groups. Little tea parties. Yeah, little tea parties. They feel safe. And then they're going out, of course, expanding that sphere uh, because it's it's just building it in that organic way. It's awesome. Yeah. What what are some of the most important aspects in building through this um, customer experience and building lifetime customers? Uh, the overall experience with your training of staff. I mean, they are everything. Your website to your in-person, they are the ones that are going to inspire that loyalty. Um, it's human interaction. It's it's being present. And if somebody says it's their birthday or it's coming up next week and they come back in, it's remembering that person and it's at mm-hmm. their, their birthday. Like that yeah. little moment, those are moments of delight that that person will forever remember. And it's so small, but it really makes a big difference in, in somebody's life. Absolutely. Couldn't agree. Couldn't yeah. agree more on that. Having those little, those little moments are phenomenal to have. Um, and then, as well as you know, perks. I mean, everybody loves perks, and I know there's so many loyalty systems, but the, and that's the reason they exist is because they work. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about you know, in that threshold of the first 30 days, if you can maximize on what has been purchased and what they're doing and build upon that, you know, the better. Um, and seeking their feedback too. People, if if it's done in a real and authentic way then a lot of people are, are very willing to give their information and, mm-hmm. and about that experience. And if it's easy, you know, I'm not a really big proponent to online surveys. Um, I think that sometimes that's just checking a box versus it being true and authentic. So yeah. again, the point of watching customers being available, looking at online social media chatter, you know, just getting a sense of what's going on in the landscape of the people that you serve. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's key. It's funny. I just did a, just did a, like a a review or I'm trying to think like a testimony for someone that works with us in the web space the other day. And it was like, right after we finished the product and he was all like, I don't really want to ask you for this, but asked, asked, Hey, could you give me a little testimony? And I just had a great experience. So Mm -hmm. even though I'm friends with them, I was able to write a, a very authentic built off of the work we just did. If you asked me in a month or two months down the line, I don't think I would have been, I wouldn't have been as good of a testimony. You know, I had these real examples and, and value points I could plug on. But one of the things that you said um, that I want to emphasize um, and explore maybe a little bit more is those those moments of delight. That was something that stood out when we spoke last time, probably because I don't use that personally. I just don't use that word in my vocabulary, but I'm, it, it makes sense. And then when you made that example of just remembering someone's birthday, like, that's the same, you know, why we have our favorite coffee shop, our favorite bar, even our favorite bartender, you know, whatever, you know, why we prefer this brand, even though it's more expensive and the same thing over there. And we might not be able to conceptualize why, but it's exactly those things right there, right? These, mm-hmm. these points of delight and just these, these positive experiences and touch points we've had with, with brands or with people that represent those brands. Yeah. One of my favorite examples 
is um, there's a, a company called Thelma's Cookies. And so, you know, you can't make a huge margin on cookies, but, you know, it's a $3 cookie. And so what they decided to do uh, pre-COVID was they built these boxes that were designed to look like ovens. And so okay. it was all, they would bake them immediately fresh, put them in these boxes and deliver it to your business or your home. And of course, as you open up this oven, you know, the smell of fresh cookies come out. Mm. And so hey. that was, yeah. So that's a moment of delight where everybody's like, oh, you know, they lose their mind over this type of stuff. And they yeah. were able to change, you know, like charge, you know, 50 to $80 just for that box to be delivered. You know, mm -hmm. so they took a product and they made it an experience. Mm. And I think, you know, of course, in, in listing all the senses, I mean, smell, and then there's the tactile, there was, you have your group of people around you that can have that shared experience. And, and obviously that was something that was shareable online, they were able to get this yep. tag and things like that. So I think there's- Genius. That's, yeah, and it's so simple. And so, you know, if you think about your retail experience and doing little things like, um, for instance, two different colors of carts when you are shopping. So there could be a color of cart for somebody that is experienced, knows what they're doing, they're in and out. And then you could have a subtle color for those that need help. And so as they're walking around, they've got a different color and it's a signal only to staff saying, hey, I, I would love additional support over here without having to say like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Mm, that's that's yeah. interesting. There's there's some dispensaries here in uh in California, San Luis Obispo, and also in San Diego, where you can actually shop, walk into a dispensary. There's only limited people inside, and you actually have baskets lying around. And so it would be interesting in those tourist markets for you to have a color coded basket at all the touristy entry points. But then someone like me who walks in at a store like that is going to go straight to an area for a product I'm looking for, and then have a different basket specifically set there yeah right well and there's also psychology around it because if you have a basket you feel a little bad only putting one thing in it and so if mm -hmm. you are a consumer they're most likely if they've gotten the help that they wanted they're most likely going to be placing more things in that basket so good customer experience design Smart. yeah it's it's just knowing the psychology of, of buyers i think uh but you said there is definitely super important, right? There's traditional retail psychology aspects that people are just not considering or even viewing, uh, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on because people need to hear this stuff. They need to hear it over and over and over from experts. I, I wanted to take a step back because I know you listed them. There's the, the five points of a customer journey, correct? Mm -hmm. And so when building out personas, right, it's, it's people need to be conscious and aware of where those different personas are going to need more assistance on that journey correct like that that's probably a part of it whereas you know that first stage of education like you just said if i'm in, in here and i'm an informed customer and i'm you know buying high volume i know what i want i don't want you to come over and to give me one-on-one information as opposed there are customers that very much need that um and so what do you, what's kind of your thought process on making sure organizations just kind of have that understood of like how I can feel out customers and identify what persona they fit or where they fit in this journey so I can best cater, like meet them where they're at yeah. or, or quickly walk through them to, to identify where they're at rather than just treating every single person like 
the same as the person in front or behind them? Well, and so when we build that persona, we actually do, like we have a picture of somebody and we, we know their habits, we know where they're going online, we know how they like to consume information. And so if I know it's Mary and she is, let's say in that older population, um, she has money to spend and she just wants somebody to help her out. And so because of the older demos, they are on Facebook and they're now there. Um, they're most likely not on TikTok. So let's just have that contrast. So in right. that first customer journey of the awareness, it helps you understand that you don't have to be all places and all things to everyone. And mm. so if I know that my primary target and profitable target is Mary on Facebook, then I'm going to spend my time and attention providing posts and education and maybe some edu education um, edutainment videos on Facebook that kind of help ease them into making a buying decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that customer journey, Joey and I were just talking about the other day, it fits in right with the, the similar, the, the sales or marketing funnel, right, of building awareness. And I think a mindset of a lot of people is understanding you know, from a marketing standpoint or advertising standpoint is what you're putting out there and what part of that that journey or funnel are you actually touching? Because so often do people spend on things that are simply on the awareness side and then immediately are like, well, where's my ROI? And it's like, well, you, <laughs> there's a couple more steps. We got to walk these people down before you can accurately gauge that ROI. Um, so what are, what are some of the things of just, I, I don't want to keep hammering just this, this customer journey, but getting these companies or decision makers to understand it is a journey. It is a funnel. It is staircase steps, whatever metaphor you want to take. Um, but understanding that certain energy isn't going to necessarily result in direct immediate ROI. Yeah. Um, so, I'll, and those steps can differ depending on what type of model you have. Um, you know, for membership models and subscription, that is a little bit different. But, um, you know, I usually, there's so many companies that there's great branding and marketing companies that will always focus on those first three steps to get you to purchase. And so I feel like there are a lot of great resources out there already to help people get people to a purchase. So I really focus in on those last two, which is the retention and loyalty. Hmm. Um, because that's on the back end. That's that's so many good reasons to have attention there because then you don't have to train up. Well, you always want new customers, but if you can keep your customers, that's great. Um, yeah. So it's providing tons of education on the back end. It's doing the follow-up to see what their experience was, whether it was good or bad, and then making the changes and letting them know those changes were made. Um, and then there's just you know, getting some of those reviews, posting them for sure. But um, having, get some way of capturing their story and so that they can share your story on your behalf. Um, mm. That's, you know, I think that's one of the keys to marketing is to, to the point of having a great brand. You know, what are people saying about you when you're not in the room? Well, those are, those are the stories. So if you are making such a great impression on the people that you serve, simply asking them for their story on your behalf is a great way to, to, you know, of course, inspire and get more people into that funnel. Absolutely. We, when I used to work at a dispensary in Seattle, we had, uh, 
we we had a pretty large friends and family discount and you know without much of a marketing budget the one of the things that i would use was just that if you would you know obviously i think the standard thing at dispensaries is if you leave a review get 20 percent off right but that's everyone does that so you know one feels special but our dispensary was 40 percent. so at that point what we did for that is that you could do multiple reviews and get 40% because the value of it on Facebook or on Google or on weed maps or Leafly are all different and multiple ones on each of those is massive. Thousands of eyes can potentially see that those reviews have power because those platforms aren't going anywhere. So that was part of the strategy. Instead of spending money, just save the, save the margin, right? Lose a little bit of there and focus on the last two steps of that because they were already in the dispensary and they were clearly looking for, uh, you know, that neighborhood relationship, that, that long-term caregiving, uh, culture, I guess is the right word. And I, and I think even going a step beyond the words, cause, um, sometimes there's an emotional disconnect when you see somebody's words up on a screen versus like their face. A hundred percent. You know, if you're able to do that, ask and have them do a, a quick 10 second video, mm-hmm. happy, or even if they're upset, like that's still a training, that's a training opportunity for people. Yeah. Uh, that usually those that are upset and are willing to tell you about it, if you make that change in your culture and let them know that you appreciated their feedback and this is what you did to make that change, and like nine times out of 10, they become your most loyal mm-hmm. brand ambassador. Oh yeah, they're, they, they want that to happen and they're willing to go to war for it. Mm-hmm. And if you make it happen, you get all the benefits of being that, getting them, you know, having that moment of delight that, that you just created, that you put yourself in a corner for. And if you ruin it, you just created, you just ruined something that could have been so great. And it was honestly so easy. You know, even if it's a $20, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's over 20 bucks in the world. Sometimes it's over, you know, an ounce that's $400 and you're, you're looking to for an $80 discount for 20%, right? Just doing the right thing in those moments just to get them out of there and, you know, be what's right. They'll keep continue coming back because you did what's right in that moment. And that's when they become $400 times a monthly patient, which is thousands of dollars a year. So it's like, as long as your business is around, they're going to continue coming back to you because you treat them right every time consistently, ideally. Yeah. Becoming that, becoming that hero, right? Because like, you know, how often do we have just an average? I went in, I bought it at the price I expected. I left. I mean, great. I'm not running to Yelp to praise this person for this super average ass experience, but you go, but how often could you go in there pissed off about something like, you know, at a nine out of 10 in anger and someone takes the time to let you maybe vent a little bit, walks you through it, makes it right. And then you just, you go from a nine out of 10 on anger to a 10 out of 10 on satisfaction. And you're like, dude, Jenny there, like she's the truth. This store is the truth. I'm about to write reviews on multiple platforms. And and I'm telling anytime this product or service comes up, I'm putting their name out there, right? Um, That opportunity to become that hero for these people and their customer experience, uh, it's it's invaluable. And too often do we see decision makers or managers, you know, kind of just treat customers like, oh, customers complain, get them the fuck out of here. We don't, we don't need, you know, we don't, we don't need you. We have more customers when it's should be, this is an opportunity to turn an average customer to a super fan. 
I mean, if the staff is trained right, like you mentioned, if, some, if all these different parts of the journey are really taken care of and a nice, welcoming, consistent, you know, educational, you know, situational upsell kind of thing can happen that's like appropriate, right? Because some people hate hate the upsell word, but it's like, you know, offer me a drink on a hot day. Sell me the coffee and cocoa and candies on all the holidays, please. Like offer me things tell me about things that exist so often mitch and i go places and they don't tell us anything there's no update on the daily specials it's just hey what brings you in today and it's just like it's just the most lazy worthless effort of ser service to us you know um and i think that's maybe a part of the reason why see i don't like to go out to eat because i feel like our for whatever reason our generation just doesn't do that um it's just like you really got to be. You really got to curate a culture and, and craft that to like to really care and go out there and get it. And I think your idea earlier of doing, getting video, you know, testimonials or even just feedback and asking people. I think, not to say it's simple by any means. It's extremely important. But at the dispensary level, I remember being there on the day to day for hours and hours and thinking, God, if every person here was as consistent as a McDonald's employee that asked me to donate to Ronald McDonald's every time, and that they just instead if it was Ronald McDonald for weed, if it was them talking about a specific thing every day that I asked as part of marketing, we would sell one different specific thing every day more often than other stuff. And we would move through things that were dusty, old or drying out or getting moldy, right? And so it's like, but no one, in theory, none of these dispensers really have that control because they don't even try, right? That's, that's what's really unfortunate is they don't even try to have that daily meeting. Hey, everybody's pushing this. Hey, everyone's asking to donate today. Hey, hey, we're pushing this, uh, you know, food drive. They might do it for little campaigns here and there, right? For the food drive or the holiday stuff, but they certainly don't apply it on like a, hello, Laura, welcome back. Yeah, it's great. Today, we're actually doing this today. I don't know if you know that we usually do this, but this is what we have going on. No one has standard greetings. No one has a standard little informational, educational thing going on. It's the same old, same old everywhere, if they have anything. I can't. There's also a lot of stores that don't even have any culture. There's no. There's no daily specials. Um, they maybe have a promo vendor thing going on inside. You know what I mean? But if it's in California, they're typically sitting down. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, I, even that the nonverbals. I mean, there's just so many little things that you can do, like right? eye contact and oh. smiling and just. Letting somebody know that you're not a nuisance. <laughs> like, I, right, right. One of the most common things I hear is just they feel like they're annoying the people that they're um, buying from. Um, right, right. No, it, it it is it is true. And and as a consumer, you know, and I, I worked in the mall, and I hated having to do the standard greeting. And I worked at a restaurant. I, I worked at a Pizza Hut, and I hated having to do. You want to pop with that, or you want breadsticks with that, but. People are like, oh yeah, I totally forgot, you know. And it's like at the dispensary level, hey, do you need any hemp wraps or any rolling papers? That you could say that at the end of every, every transaction, and you single would, time, you would probably three hundred x your rolling paper sales just for people being like, oh shit, I do need, you know what I mean? I got so lost looking at all these strains. Yeah, I don't have anything to roll this up in. Absolutely. That hey, do you need a, do you need a replacement pipe for a gift during just during the holiday season, the entire month? You know what I mean? Yeah, hey, and, hey, every, and then like you said earlier about surveying, I'll key in on this part too, because as you were saying the surveying stuff earlier, I, I was like, you know, it's so easy to have every butt tender have one question included in every conversation and to switch it up 
weekly. It's only four things, four questions a month. It's not like you're straining someone's brain on yeah. like, you know, it's, it's easy. Hey, every single person you ask today, don't forget to ask them this. Yeah. Easy. How could have made your day better? Is there anything that I could have done today to help you make your day better? You know what? Uh, you know, maybe it would have been cool for you to do this. Like, uh, right. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll write that down. Got you. Yeah. All right. So easy. And that's, even if the mass vast majority of people said no, like you're not upset. <laughs> Someone asking you a one sentence question, you're like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I, no, I'm not like, God, this guy's annoying me. Like, I, I can't believe he asked me that. How, how, how this service was the audacity of this person. <laughs> can't tell you how much. And then, and then also you said identifying, uh, 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 someone's like experience level or their level of cannabis use, maybe what kind of customer helps kind of identify what kind of customer they are. Two questions, right? Hey, have you been here before? No or yes? Okay, cool. Do you know, possibly know what you're looking for yet? No. All right, cool. This person is brand new to here and they need to be walked through your brand experience. Cool. They're this this way. You know what I mean? And, and honestly, here in California, so many people have these express pickups. So it's, at least for the people that do know it, they are leveraging that digital, which is exciting to, to see that switch comprehensively this, this last year. People just ordering through the website way more often, ordering through Weed Maps way more often. Uh, I don't. I think Leafly, Leafly as well, probably in their states that use Leafly. So, I, I think that's just going to continue, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, Laura, coming from Iowa, a state where is is cannabis? So, is cannabis is legal there in its low THC CBD, or what? What is it? And is that just, is it THC that's, or cannabis that's derived from THC is legal or is it just CBD or hemp? Sorry, derived from hemp. Derived from hemp. Um, yeah. And that's underneath that 0.3%. And there's only like um, seven extreme health cases for the medical card. Um, just overall, it's bad. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, it's a pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty restricted. Yeah, she, she yeah, said almost pretty much surrounded. Uh, you know, all the other states. You know, we've got Chicago, um, Illinois, you know, Missouri. I think Minnesota's supposed to maybe hopefully turn. Mm -hmm. uh, in Michigan, so they're losing out on you know so much to neighboring right. states. And right. So one one example story is what people put up with. So obviously Illinois is pretty new. Um, so it's a, a five hour drive. And so when you get there, you have to put your name into a lottery. Hopefully you get chosen for that day. If you do get chosen, you have to be there within the 24 hours of signing up. Some people are standing out line in tents before they even get in line for the dispensary. So they might spend in line, you know, seven hours. They get up to the, you know, they looked online, you know, in all this time on the website to see what they want. But by the time they get the dispensary, obviously they don't have enough on demand. So they have a menu right there on paper saying, this is what we've got. This is what you have to choose from. Go to the spot, tell them what you want, and then you get out like cattle. So, you know, it's not ideal. And that is their first experience of a dispensary. And so that is forever locked in their head that, that that's what it is. Plus it's super expensive as well. So, right. um, so, you know, there's going to have to be like undoing of some of those experiences that have been now permanently kind of indented in their brain. Mm -hmm. 
The uh, my my experience in, in downtown Chicago was as a first time visitor, rec, you know, twenty one plus rec patient, thirty eight degrees had to stand outside for forty eight minutes because every they took all the curbside and pickup patients first, and they were only taking walk ins like every fifteen or twenty minutes, one at a time, maybe two at a time. It was absolutely wild. And I was still asking in the line, like, hey, is this how it is at all the other dispensaries? Is it any better anywhere else? And they just said, no, it is this way everywhere. And so, like, you you know, to that, to what you said, it's like, I can't imagine being a patient that's literally having to go cross state lines just to survive and maintain a quality of life at this point. I grew up in Indiana, but I wasn't utilizing cannabis at a young age by any means. It wasn't until I was in Washington and, um, you know, to all, you know, my, my heart goes out to all those people because I'm in, I'm in pain sitting here right now. Cause I'm like, not on my RSO and full speck oil, you know, I'm blessed to have, to have access to all the quality cannabis oils out here, but hopefully soon enough, man, we're all going to get, not necessarily, a, I don't think a federal sweep is going to happen, but all these individual states are hopefully going to feel the pressure and just start happening because they're missing out on a lot of money to help their infrastructure, to to help their school programs, to really give back to the sports and culture programs that have been cut in the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, that is um, that is tragic, man. That's tra- tragic that that has Can't to Can't imagine people. living in, this, in the places where you like, I wouldn't be able to take care of myself. I'd be, I'd be dying. I'd be like, I'd look so unhealthy. I would be well, so unhealthy. And that is the disheartening thing is that as I put myself out there more, it's like, you know, the, the one girl in Iowa that does you know, in cannabis business. Um, you know, I, I do have people approach me all the time. I'll be like the, at the dentist and I say what I do and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I've got this, my mom has this or, you know, a friend has this and what can I do to help them? I'm like, oh, it just hurts my heart that. Yeah. And it's, and it's so different for you, you know, cause you know, we're, we're from Washington where we were the second state to, to have recreational cannabis for sale. And, you know, we were an out, we were an outlier. And, and now at this point, it's like, you guys are almost an outlier as the dominoes are falling. And it's the other side of the spectrum of, you know, we had this exciting new thing that no one else had. And now it's turning into part of the country has access and part of the country has very like very very limited access and part of the country has absolutely none and so that education process um you know as brands expand and federal legalization comes on you're going to have this this consumer journey especially in the online spectrum is going to be so important because geographically you're going to have people that are just a different sides of the spectrum that have seen cannabis for five or six years and it's normal to them that have only seen it for a year or two and people that it's just becoming fresh and, and brand new to. So this is something, you know, what, what you're doing is going to become, I mean, it's already is key and, you know, Joey and I can already identify it's key in the mature markets, but as the, as the entire country topples over into legalization, it's going to be, super, super important for brands to pay attention to this, to differentiate themselves from others and really build out audiences and consumer bases. These dispensaries, these brands, the cultivators, the extractions, anybody watching this who grows weed, sells weed in any capacity, any form, you guys got to stop relying on Leafly and Weed Maps to do your job for you. You need to start getting the educational content that you keep searching for yourself about your brand or about your products or about your vapes and oil and dabs and all these different things that you sell, all the different types of oils that are out there, the retailers you work with, the locations, the cities, you can't rely on weed maps and leafly 
you can't pay them all the money. You know why? Because as soon as I search your product and I'm on their brand page, I'm getting hit with your competitors ads and getting hit with other people's content and their menus and, and all this other stuff. And at that point, I've already forgotten about you. This is, I just looked at 57 other companies stuff in 30 seconds. And so it's a wash. And so, you know, to reiterate so many different things that we've talked about here tonight, everybody just content, customer journey, the experience, these personas, you know, identifying and creating and crafting these mo these moments of delight based on different types of customers that come in your store, making sure you, you really curate the right culture at your, uh, at your business is going to be huge. And to anybody that has any questions, any dispensaries in the Respect My Region Network, any delivery services, anybody watching this, reach out to us, reach out to Laura if you have any questions. We really appreciate you being here on the show with us. Do you have any questions for us or Mitch? Do you have anything on here before we get on out of here? I, I would, Laura, if there's anything that you that you would like to plug or or that Joey didn't highlight, please please plug away. Yeah, um, one thing I've learned as as this market continues to mature is that um, I'm trying to break it down so it's easy. So you know, I will help you either map out that customer journey, whether it's the website or your in person or the entire thing. Help build out personas. I do UX reviews just to see if there's some top hits of things that you might want to consider in your build um, or you know after it's been built. And uh, please visit me. I'm on I have all the social channels, but my website is customerdelightprocess.com. And I just appreciate being here today. Awesome. I really think, appreciate you being on here and spending time with us. I know I learned some stuff and got my wheels turning. I'm very excited to be talking and getting in the ears of all my buyers right after yeah, this it's, so. it's like i said you know when we first talked you speak the same you speak the same language that we speak man so it, it is it is honestly i'll use the word it's a delight to speak to you man it's truly really, true <laughs> for real yeah i got you delight yeah <laughs> thank you awesome well thank you laura we'll be talking to you soon uh appreciate you hopping on here with us thank you so much have a good night thank you bye you as bye. well Man, so that was awesome. It is always awesome to connect with people that have different experiences, you know, coming us again, us coming from the West Coast, the most mature market to, you know, talking to someone and sharing their experiences in a market that is so different from ours. That is always just a personal pleasure of mine. Um, but also just everything that Laura is talking about and doing is just something that we've been preaching in a little bit more modified and controlled way with with um, the experience to back it. Um, there was quite a bit of takeaways. I'm trying to think of where my notes are at. I wanted to. Well, I think there's a lot to be to be said about it, applying what we talked about in terms of cannabis and CBD, right? You know, websites, the in stores experiences, the delivery experience. There's so many branding points, right? You know, uh, if your brand, if your company is built around selling fire and weed that smells really good, the oven idea is wonderful. Putting things in and having unique packaging or unique. Like just having your delivered stuff be inside certain things and have that end thing be delivered and handed in a certain way. I think that's super unique and people can really uh, run on and spin on that idea. I think that's something that's super cool. Uh, I also really like, you know, some of the points we talked about it, you know, conversationally standard greetings should be a thing in cannabis. Uh, it is a little dry, it is a little boring, but the reminders do drive business mm -hmm. and it does provide a culture of more customer service. Um, I'm not sitting here saying every dispensary should become the next target, but, uh, or, or Nordstrom's or the rack or whatever it is, but they certainly ask what, if I need any help way more often than bud tenders do. Right. Uh, and they certainly make more recommendations when I go to those kinds of places. Every time I go to a lids or a champs, 
They're super friendly. They're very respectful. They look you right in the face. They don't brush you off. They're there trying to help you and they're trying to kill it. So at least that's the vibe I get. Yeah, the, the personas and understanding. And again, from, you know, she, like she said, she's a little bit more focused professionally on those bottom sides mm -hmm. of, of the, of the, the funnel. The, the loyalty and the retaining uh, and all that. But for us, like, you know, one of the challenges, one of the challenges we brought up briefly later, but one of the challenges is for people and brands or musicians, right? Because that's part of our audience to really understand that it is a funnel or a journey to getting a conversion, whether it's building a fan or building a customer. I mean, and, and there's a journey to get the single listen, you know, the first listen, the first watch of a music video, let alone the first purchase at the store. And then there's obviously things to turn that person into a lifetime customer, uh, you know, someone that champions your brand or an actual fan in the music world. But people need to understand that. And there's different components because so often do we see cannabis brands or musicians who have small budgets, you know, they can't spend on marketing and even thinking the strategy for all these different points, but being able mm -hmm. to understand what, what you're doing, you know, I'm putting this content out there or this messaging or this advertising out here simply for this part of the journey to this particular people. And that way you can measure the success of it rather than doing something that's simply on the awareness level and then wondering why you got no conversions. It's because you didn't, you know, what you did, it's not, you know, you you ran a running play and then your quarterback threw it downfield and there was nobody there to catch the ball because you didn't you know what I mean you're not paying attention to what play is being yeah called. the dots the dots really got to connect you can't jump jump and skip over certain things you can if you if you can you can identify that your brand is ready for certain things but you know understanding you I mean customers well hold on let's take a step back dispensaries can really look at their POS reports and rappers and if anybody with an Instagram analytics can look at enough data to really create enough per personas to start saying, look, I'm going to make content to hit this kinds of people. Mm -hmm. I can, I can start making small little decisions and a little bit of guesswork will let you test and the stuff that performs best, go do that again, the stuff, and then do a couple of the different ver ver versions of that, run it through the stories, run the ads. It, it all is different. None of it's copy pasteable, right? It all is going to be customized from dispensary to dispensary, from artist to artist, label to label, ad situation and video to video. I, what I really enjoy is, is thinking, thinking the dispensary stuff through all the way in terms of the conversations, the, 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 the content and the SEO searches, um, as I mentioned, you can't rely on Leafly and Weedmaps to have every single strain search. That how is it going to lead to your dispensary? Right. If I'm if I'm in a, if I'm in a parking lot, I always say this to people: if I'm in a, your parking lot and I'm looking up a strain that just got added to your menu, and it's only going to come up on Leafly, how am I going to end up buying it on your menu? Right. I got to leave Leafly. I got to go back to here. I got to then search that one, make a new tab. There's that's such a journey. Write the article about it. Have the landing page ready. As soon as you have new product on the shelves, make sure they're listed so they come up. Just make it sure that stuff comes up so every time someone Google searches an item from your parking lot, you win that conversation. Mm -hmm. As soon as they're searching at home for a new item, you have to come up. In terms of music artists, I think the journey is obviously a little bit different, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. You've got to really acquire real listeners and viewers the first few times in the right cities, in the right areas with the people that listen to the similar style of music you're making. You got to really think about it. You mentioned J. Cole at the beginning of the stuff. If your beats sound like J. Cole or maybe a Jid beat, or maybe it's a DaBaby beat, or maybe it's a Lil Baby beat, or maybe it's a Lil Wayne beat from whatever year, 
or a game beat, right? Who knows? Maybe it's YG and mustard shit from back in the day, right? You got all these different styles, right? Jake ones, all right, all this stuff. So it's like identify who those fans are that your beats sound like and start sending 20, 10 DMs right. letting them know you make music that sounds like the shit they like already. Ain't nothing wrong with, hey, yo, I know you, I noticed you're a fan of this artist and I, some, sometimes people say I make music that sounds like that. When you're in your first one to five years of making music, you should be doing it yourself or you better find an intern that's doing it for you. That 30 times a day. There's no excuse to do that. Nope. You don't need a team. You individually, every time you take a shit, should send 20 to 30 of those. And you should be shitting every day if you're regular. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, it's just things like that. And then even the consistency. The, the, real, the real consistency matters. Always preaching to rappers is, Oh, I do a single and it's on all streaming platforms and I got a music video out. So does fucking everybody else and Kendrick Lamar. Why am I passing by Kendrick Lamar to listen to you? If your goal is to gain fans, you should not just be doing, here's a music video that you didn't ask for from an artist you didn't know that you're never going to, so you're never going to search this and even if you're name, running at, never so going to search this artist's name. You should do freestyles or disconnect or things that's going to get, attention and then serve those people your music videos the i get hit with ads i get hit we get hit just because i listen to music i get hit with ads just because i listen to artists music i get hit with ads and sometimes it does sound like the music that i'm was listening to from the big artists but the reality is is that you're actually more likely to be like if you're at, like i get hit with ads and i don't listen to the music i don't listen to the music ever so people are spending money and i'm getting hit with it and then people like me don't listen to it yes you're going to retain some of that but i actually am going to respond to like a bunch of people liking and commenting on my stuff and then someone sending me a dm saying hey i make music i noticed you do some stuff like i'd love to get on the call with you and have a conversation about seeing if you think my stuff is dope and maybe you can use it somewhere yeah that is that is I'm a music fan. I'm I'm a content creator. A lot of content creators and music fans are just like me. We need music. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I have playlists. I'm the same. You know, I scroll through Instagram and I get served with music videos. And if it's a fucking dude on front of a car fanning out money, I'm skipping that bitch as quick as I fucking can. Yeah. And I'm almost, if anything, I'm making a point. I don't even want to see this dude again because it's so generic. But the moment I see, you know, the dude did I can't remember his name, but the ukulele dude. If I see some dude, if I'm in, you know, where I live in Seattle, if I see a guy like Kerry Park with the skyline behind him, homeboy's playing a ukulele and a dude's obviously rapping. Now I'm like, what the, let me check this shit out real quick. What's going on? Like, what is happening? Yeah. This That's the same thing that they do with the Iron Banks in LA, right? And all the big artists. Yeah. And, but to that effect, it's like, I, you know, you could be doing, someone could be rapping and someone could be dancing, you know, in roller skates. You know, there's so many different kinds of creative Something video content different. that people aren't exploring. Stop feeding me YouTube videos uh, or just basic music videos. This is why I love TikTok and Triller because it got people's creativity with music. I would rather listen to your music and watch someone do something creative and paint, drip something, draw a sketch. I would oft, I would rather watch that than typically watch someone's yeah. YouTube video doing the flashing money stuff unless, unless it's a song – that has inspirational qualities to it. I need sure. that feel-good element. I think what what to uh, to what Laura said. That moment of delight for me is always something that's like, damn, that was dope. Damn, this beat is hard. Damn, that shit made me feel good. And like, all right, yep, I'm about to go show someone else this song. I think those four things for me is like, yep, 
that's fire. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the funny thing is, right, is we're sitting here talking about all of the music videos that people spend five hundred, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars. We're saying we don't even want to watch that shit. I want to see the shit that you filmed on your cell phone for fucking free. So why aren't you filming one thing a day? Yeah, hit me with a freestyle you doing in front of in front of in front of your in front of your city. Hit me with hit me with a dope cipher content. Hit me with hit me with a video you doing something crazy that that's a short clip. I, we just aren't watching three to four or five minute videos like that anymore. Now, I will consume content like that that is more like vlogs and documentary stuff, but that has grown over time. I think the most people, the majority of people out there, are watching. TikTok and IG reels, not IGTVs, not YouTube videos and things like that. And so although people make money on the YouTube videos, they make money on that, that kind of stuff. I think it goes back to like, what are your goals as a music artist? If your goal is to make money and become a business, it's the same, you gotta build your brand and have your content and be monetizing your, your albums and your things in other ways. You gotta be getting money somehow. And streams don't pay for pay that well until you really get a, a viral video out there, right? And this day and age, I think it's safe to say, unless you get a viral video out there, that's the cheapest way to get mm-hmm. a wave of money in for free. Otherwise, you're paying ads to to miss on portions of demographics, portions of populations of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's guaranteed misses on a portion of it. So, 100%, super interesting. 100%. And so, that's funny. We, we, we started off with the most minimal of music talk, had a long talk of cannabis, and then got to bring it home with, with some music games. So, I hope there's some artists. And we had to wrap it all in, man. We had to bring it all home. That are they're tapped in because that is. I won't do a money spread, but big shout out to Originals, man. <laughs> big shout out to Marathon OG and the Cure Company, man. Just wanted to show some love. Two new clients of ours. We started doing writing for them, man. Wanted to show some love, man. They got the best, the best. We're very proud to work with Cure Company. Very proud to work with Originals, man. So I just want to show some love. If you in LA and you ever need some fire gelato or, or OGs, bunch of different kinds of OGs, King Louie, Original OGs, Dam OG, Marathon OG, all the different kinds. You guys just got to tap in with the Cure Company or Originals. It's that easy. Yep. It's fire. 100%. And so... We'll be back next Wednesday, um, I believe. Yeah, I think our guest next week is David Abernathy from uh, Arc, the Arcview Group. Uh, I had a, I, I, you weren't on the, the Zoom that I did, the interview I did with him for an article, but um, I'm excited for that conversation. Another, just just like you know, when I spoke to Laura the other day, it was a conversation. I didn't necessarily know what I was going into, but after the conversation, I was like, damn, I'm so glad. That I got to connect with the individual like that because it's just when you when you when people are operating on a similar wavelength and thought process for me that's just like whoever watched this episode and applies this shit to their brand man it's it was free game and it was diamond grade level that had been applied to corporate budgets millions and millions of dollars in corporate game people have paid major companies and corporations paid countless people like Laura to audit their strategies and their brands and identify personas. And quite literally understand the 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 the, uh, the healthcare cu- uh, customers and cu- consumers that are already out there. You got to think the reason why we had Laura on the show, not just the reason, but a big reason why I was so amped to have her on the show is because her experience is the market is with acquiring and keeping the loyalty of the market that cannabis is already get is trying to get. It's all of the boomers. It's all of anybody that's older than a millennial is more likely to be with doctors and consuming, you know, pharmacy stuff 
and going in that usual traditional medicine route. And now, and although they are cannabis friendly, they are looking for someone to bring them in and keep them and to mm -hmm. educate them and to keep them going. They're looking for a friend and for that friend to always be there. They want to add a couple others, right, for the tea party, right? And they want to start going to some of these events as they become more and more like what they already do, whether it's tea parties, little infused wine parties, food gatherings. We've already seen the infused dinners, the, the secret parties and all these little high-end things that LA and, and uh, you know San Francisco and Sacramento does. There's so many different little social elements that we're going to see through New York and Florida. It's very exciting. Concerts have always happened with cannabis. Um, you know, as it normalizes and as things start to really progress and continue to legalize across the, uh, the country and the world, um, the wreck and tourism conversation she mentioned is, is going to be huge as well. People will travel to a city, Google dispensaries they should go to, best weed they should buy, and they'll do that best pre-rolls. They'll do it by best dabs. They'll do it by best rosin. Someone who, like, you, you won't always be able to travel with your weed. At some point, they'll start getting better at it, right? You can't travel with alcohol. Can you in your bag, like in your check-on? Not in your check-on. No, it's three, three ounces. Check-on, three, three ounces. You got the little shot. You got the but little you shot. Can, but can and you can travel with a big, a big bottle in your bag. Uh, if you check it, I think you can. Think international. I think there's a milliliter limit. I'm not sure domestic. It'll be interesting to see honest. if weed is ever treated that way. Yeah. Right. So huge. So well. That note, RMR Podcast, episode 10. We're about to bounce up out of here. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. Love y'all. Peace.